7 a.m. on the West Coast, 10 a.m. on the East Coast of America. It's 3 p.m. in London, 11 p.m. in Kyoto, Japan, and in Malaysia, it's 1955. More about that in a minute. I'm Jay Sheldon, and I'm not wearing pants. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome in, everybody. We are live on four different platforms, YouTube, Jay Sheldon Malaysia channel, uh, Facebook Live, of course, twitch.tv, Jay Sheldon No Pants, and for the second time running, we are finally up and live on Rumble. Yes. We are live on Rumble, but I'll warn you, we, there is such a delay. I'm not complaining because we made it. We're live. Thank goodness for that. Rumble.com slash Sheldon is the channel. Not J. Sheldon No Pants. That is a channel. You'll find all our old shows there. But our live stream is on J. Sheldon at Rumble.com. Free account. You can sign up, subscribe, check it out. However, just know that the live stream is like 30, 45 seconds behind. Uh, the delay is insane. And in fact, by the time we get to the end of the show, after we do 45 minutes or an hour, it's like five minutes off. So it clipped the end of our show last week, uh, our um, Wednesday night. So I... I don't know. We're doing our best, okay? The technology here is a little wonky, but uh, we're doing what we can. My feed is looking good. There's no problem there. It's just that the, uh, yeah, the technology is trying to catch up. <sighs> kind of like the country I live in is trying to catch up and not doing a very good job. But we'll talk about that in a minute or two. Right now, it's time. Miko update. <laughs> Miko update. Yes. The little girl is doing fine. Uh, if you've just discovered our show, Miko is our Shiba Inu. Uh, she is adorable. She's uh, about uh, 20 months old, I think. Yeah, something like that. She'll be two years old in December. December 1st was her birthday. And uh, we usually give you a little brief update on what's happening in Miko's life. In fact, we had a nice long walk tonight. We got her some new treats, and I wanted to show you this because they're very cool. All right, forget all this life events and crap. This is my actual Facebook page. But these are the treats that we actually, let me do it this way. There we go. Um, these are the treats we got. It's from a Bob Box Company here in Malaysia, and it is the coolest thing. Let me show you the box itself. Here we go. There we go. Bob Box, uh, something hello for kids. Um, so it's got a couple business cards for the company. Some friendships transcend lifetimes, 100% handmade. Uh, it comes in this cool box. And then inside, take a look at this. All these 100% natural, uh, I'm not being paid for this endorsement, by the way, but it, I was so impressed that I, I had to, I had to give a hat tip to these guys at Bob Box. And um, it's just full of all kinds of treats and uh, chicken stuff. And this is a duck neck over here and things. And uh, Miko here, 
loves it. <laughs> she has been fascinated ever since. We've given her a few of these things. Some of this stuff is like, I, I've explained this before on the show, chicken floss and things like, but it's very finely ground up powdered chicken floss. We've been dumping it on her food because right now she's still on the antibiotics. So anyway, she's loving it. And uh, that's the uh, that's the chicken floss. And it's the Bob food. There's the, uh, the uh, it's from Johor Bahru in Johor uh, here in Malaysia. So the Bob food is the place to check it out. Uh, they're not too bad. They're not cheap. But uh, for what you get, to me, well worth the price. Very nice. And thank you very much to uh, to the Bob Food. If you stick that in a uh, Facebook search bar, you will uh, you'll find their uh, their logo. It's called the Bob. And uh, yeah, like I said, they didn't pay me to endorse their products. But when I find something good, uh, I want to share it and uh, let you know about some some cool stuff. And that is definitely some cool stuff. All right. What else have we got? Uh, let's see. Uh, OK, there we go. Uh, let's see, we'll close this one and yeah. Okay. That's our Miko update for tonight. Thank you very much. By the way, if you'd like to pick up some Jay Sheldon Miko merchandise, you can do that. It's got our show logo and Miko on there. There's cups and t-shirts and mouse pads and stickers and hoodies and all caps of caps too. But I'm loving this coffee cup. I use it all the time. It's very cool. All right. What else is going on? Uh, oh, Patreon.com. Yes. If you would like to help support the show, head over to Patreon.com slash Sheldon. I'm not going to bore you with all the details, but you can sign up for three different tier levels and you get different things. The first one is just a few bucks a month to help support us buy me a coffee basically and uh patreon.com slash j sheldon check out all the tier levels if you'd like to join over there thank you for that and a welcome by the way to our podcast listeners this show is also a podcast which somehow managed to get hundreds of downloads every week and thank you for that i really appreciate the, the folks listening in to the audio version of our show uh on apple Podcasts, google spotify Stitcher, uh, Radio Public, all the basic everywhere you can find podcasts, you'll find us. Just search for Jay Sheldon or Jay Sheldon No Pants and look for that logo. And uh, that's us. Subscribe, download, and thank you for uh, for those of you who have. Wow. Um, all right. So on to our first topic and the topic uh, of our uh, thumbnail tonight. <sighs> I'm not allowed because we don't have free speech in this country, to say everything that I would like to say about this. I'm just going to read the article. It's from World of Buzz, although it's been featured on several different uh, online sites. And um, <laughs> around 1,733 LGBTQ Malaysians have been sent to religious camps to be nurtured as of June uh, 2021. Such efforts are demanded so they can change themselves. Mm. Now, I, I, okay, I know my audience, all right? So I'm just going to read this, and you can imagine what's going through my mind. And if you're just shaking your head in disbelief, 
I'm with you. Um, Malaysia has always had a rather strict view on the matters of the LGBTQ community, uh, so much so that the Malaysian authorities are committed to nurturing those from the community towards reforming their ways. And uh, one of the methods, not unlike the uh, Uyghur camps in China, if you know what I mean, uh, they're sending them to uh, camps, camp ibadah or worship camp. Yeah. Um, so this is the article. It's on World of Buzz. You can go over there and read it. I don't want to waste your time with this stupid, ridiculous stuff. But uh, it's there, and uh, it's basically what I'm wondering is, you know, what are they distracting us from? Because usually when something's going on, they don't want you to pay attention to, and they want you to, you know, ooh, look, a squirrel. Oh, They'll do something about the LGBTQ community. So uh, when that uh, pops up, you can always look at the other headlines, and then you'll usually figure out what they really don't want you to be paying attention to. So that's the, uh, that's the latest distraction that uh, we've had to deal with from the morons here. Uh, and the reason I mentioned today in the start of the show, I always pick a date uh, that it is here in Malaysia, just to be funny, uh, 1955, is because back in 1955, how many years ago was that? 60, 70, 70 over years ago, um, was when they began this uh, ridiculous stupidity of conversion therapy. And then in 1973, 1973 was what, virtually 50 years ago? 50 years ago, uh, they debunked conversion therapy most people in the thinking world realized that it was a complete waste of time and stupid and ridiculous. And uh, so they basically, including the American Psychiatric Association, said, don't do that. It's stupid. That was almost 50 years ago. And here we are. So that's the name of that tune. Um, I thought this might help if you're feeling a bit down after that story and uh, thought I would share it. And it is from a friend of mine, Alvin Tan, who does some amazing posts. He's, he's always got this inspirational stuff that he puts out there on Facebook. And Alvin, thank you for that because I love the stuff that you post. It's so cool. And, and often I will share your stuff here on the show because it is brilliant. And this is from uh, Jamie Varun, a quote from Jamie Varun. Listen close, a gentle reminder. If you feel off track, please remember that there is no track. This is your life. It ebbs, it flows, it twists, it halts, it speeds up. It all belongs. Stop trying to be a robot who is productive and perfect all the time. You're not a robot. You're a human. Be alive to it all. Brilliant. 
Jamie Varon. Don't know who Jamie Varon is, but I'm a fan. Really nice. Really, really nice. We like that a lot. All right. Um, I thought this story was appropriate. I think, I think I might have told this story before, but I, I, I have a memory of doing it. But we have a lot of new viewers and listeners to the podcast and the video show and the live stream. So chances are, unless you went back through all 115 shows, I don't know when I did this story before. But it is most appropriate, especially given the day that we live in and the age that we live in and people who are anti-mask and pro-mask and anti-vax and pro-vax and anti-LGBTQ and pro-LGBTQ and people who just don't give a crap, just leave me alone, let me live my life. People, you know, we're living in a time where the political correctness is starting to go like, oh, please, dear God, just make it end. Anyway, if you've heard this story before, just bear with me because it's worth repeating. And it really applies to a lot of the crap going on in the world right now. Bear with me. The donkey told the tiger, the grass is blue. The tiger replied, no, the grass is green. The discussion became very heated, and the two decided to submit the issue to arbitration. So they approached the lion. As they approached the lion on his throne, the donkey started screaming. Your Highness, isn't it true that the grass is blue? The lion replied, if you believe it's true, then the grass is blue. The donkey rushed forward and continued, the tiger disagrees with me, contradicts me and annoys me. Please punish him. The king then declared, the tiger will be punished with three days of silence. Well, the donkey jumped with joy, went on his way and he kept repeating, the grass is blue, the grass is blue. The tiger asked the lion, your majesty, why have you punished me? I mean, after all, the grass is green. The lion replied, you've known and seen that the grass is green. The tiger said, so why do you punish me? And the lion replied, this has nothing to do with the question of whether the grass is blue or green. The punishment is because it is degrading for a brave, intelligent creature like you to waste time arguing with an ass. And on top of that, you came and bothered me with the question just to validate something you already knew was true. And the lion replied, uh, sorry, the biggest waste of time is arguing with the fool and the fanatic who doesn't care about truth or reality, but only the victory of his beliefs and illusions. Never waste time on discussions that make no sense. There are people who, for all the evidence and science presented to them, do not have the ability to understand. Others who are blinded by ego, hatred, and resentment 
and the only thing that they want is to be right, even when they're not. When ignorance screams, intelligence moves on. Brilliant. We like that a lot. When ignorance screams, intelligence moves on. So, moving on. <laughs> oh, man. Felt like that story took a billion seconds. Okay, that was a cheap attempt at a segue. Because this next one is weird. But there's two stories here. They're linked. So don't go away. Don't get bored and switch off. All right? This is so weird. And I had no idea. I did not realize this until I read it. Who posted? Alfred Lowe. Thank you, Alfred. Tip of the hat to Alfred for this post. People do not have a strong intuitive sense of how much bigger one billion is than one million. You say, yeah, a million of something. And then you think a billion of something. Yeah, that's what, 10, 100 times a million? No. To put it in perspective, one million seconds is about 11 days. One million seconds equals about 11 days. One billion with a B seconds is 31.5 years. Imagine. What a brilliant way to think about it. So when somebody says, I'm a millionaire, it's like, oh, impressive, nice, a million bucks. When somebody says, I'm a billionaire, that's some serious cash, folks. A million seconds is equal to only 11 days. A billion seconds, 31.5 years. Can you imagine? What a difference. All right. Uh, beyond that, these facts kicked my butt. These, this floored me when I saw this. By the way, if you're new to the show, this is what we do. We find a topic of the day that kind of maybe pisses me off or makes me upset or gets me angry about something. We talk about that a little bit, much as I can talk about anything or have an opinion. And then we share a whole bunch of weird facts and things and strange stuff we find on the internet. And that's pretty much what we do. And then at the end of the show, we read a chapter from a classic book. One chapter at a time, all the way through till we get to the end, and then we switch off to a new book. Coming up, we're still doing the War of the Worlds, by the way, and we're on chapter 11. We'll have that later on tonight. Um, all right, so we're talking about the difference between a million and a billion. Well, let me tell you, I love this. I love this. Beauty. Now, remember what I said about how much a billion is. Beauty is a 500, this is USD, a 532 billion USD dollar industry that won't make you pretty. Hmm. Education is a 
$50 billion industry that won't make you smart. Hmm? Hmm? Diet. Diet is a $72 billion industry that won't make you lean. Pharma. Everybody these days says big pharma. Well, pharma is a $1,500 billion industry that won't make you healthy. No one is coming to save you. Remember what I said about the difference between a million and a billion in our last segment. Think about that when it relates to these numbers. That's scary stuff. Imagine. Beauty. I'm in the wrong business. Seriously. $532 billion for a business that won't make you pretty. Okie dokie. Why do we waste our money? Seriously. All right. Some good news for a change. We need some good news. We've been so full of bad news tonight and making fun of stupid people. Because the world's full of them, folks. All right. Here we go. World of Buzz. We love the World of Buzz. I know clickbait and all that stuff, but the folks at the World of Buzz, thank you for some of the cool stuff that you do. I, I share a lot of your crap here on this show, so we always encourage people to go over and check out the World of Buzz. They did this story. Uh, it was from uh, about a week ago, and I've been saving it for when we had time on the show. And uh, if you don't know, Malaysia... All right, let's start with the folks from the rest of the world, because I've got... Honestly, when you look at the podcast downloads, it's insane, the demographics of where people are listening to this show or watching. Uh, India, very big in India. The UK, the US, lot and lots of uh, uh, viewers and listeners in the US. Uh, New Zealand, Australia, um, Japan, uh, all kinds of folks all over the world who pick up on this show. And thank you. We truly, truly do. I I cannot thank you enough. Uh, for all your downloads and your views and your likes and subscribes and rumbles. And we really appreciate that. But um, (laughs) because I realize some of my audience, more than half, I think, is not in Malaysia. If you're doing the same thing I did 20, almost 20 years ago when I first heard of Malaysia, it's like, "Mm, where's that? So, you know, Thailand, right? We're just below Thailand. If you know Singapore used to be part of us in Malaysia. It's right at the tip of Malaysia. But then on the other side of the pond, there's, there's peninsular Malaysia, and then there's a bit of ocean, and then there's Borneo. And if you're looking at the map, the left side of Borneo is divided into two states, Sabah and Sarawak, and those also are part of Malaysia. Sadly, We often either take advantage or ignore the amazing, incredible folks from Sabah and Sarawak. I have been to Sabah before, did a little touristy thing over there. One of my bucket list items was to be able to see the orangutans in the wild, in their natural environment. And I actually 
checked off something on my bucket list while I was here. That was maybe a good 10 or over years ago. But went to uh, the Orang, uh, Orangutan Preserve in uh, Sabah and got the chance to see the orangs, orangutans in their natural environment and the thrill of my life. It was absolutely incredible. If you ever get the chance, I cannot encourage you more. I believe that the place was called Sepilak Orangutan uh, Reserve or Preserve. Um, support them, support the work that they do in saving not only the orangutan, but their habitat, which in turn saves them. Anyway, the, um, the story from World of Buzz, let's get to it. <laughs> it's not about the orangutans. It's about some orang sabahans. Uh, these sabahan students used local folklore and have become storytelling champions in Spain's International Arts Festival. This is absolutely the coolest thing. I, uh, I'm so glad that I found this article. It's written by uh, Azri Azizan, and uh, it's from worldabuzz.com. These are the folks right here, the, uh, the storytelling champions. Once again, our local talents have made a remarkable achievement that is recognized worldwide. Uh, a team of four students from Keningau Vocational College in Sabah have emerged as storytelling champions of Paints of the Spanish Sun. That's an international arts festival based in Spain. It happened September 1st, 2021. And uh, the team, I'm sorry if I butcher your names, folks. I'm doing the best I can. Uh, the team is Aldi Diani Alexander, Didriana Alicia Vitalis, Abilala Atira Leminit and Beatrice Verus. They won first place in the competition, which was organized by the European Association of Folklore Festivals. As a voiceover talent, I love telling stories. And if you want a little insider information, if you look to become a voice talent, one of the best things you can do is read out loud, tell stories. Nothing like a good storyteller, whether it's a film or reading to kids or whatever it might be. So these folks who have gained all this recognition for telling stories just gets me right here. According to the Sabah Post, the team members, all of whom are currently pursuing their tertiary studies in early childhood education, brilliant, um, the team told their respective folklore stories individually, and each story carries the background and the cultural tales from Sabah. Uh, Three Boys and Tombiru, uh, the mythical story about a forest keeper, who protects the place from all kinds of threats. Again, go to World of Buzz, check out the story. Here's all the different folks and the stories that they told and some of the illustrations that go along with them. It's a brilliant article. And really, hats off and a big hi-ho <laughs> to these uh, Sabahan students who did an amazing job and were honored, uh, justifiably honored. So we become the 
International, Spain's International Arts Festival champions. We love you for what you do. Thank you very much. That's brilliant. Had to share that with you tonight. Congratulations again. Uh, all right, what are we doing? Here we are. <laughs> see where we're going here. Uh, okay, we're not done yet. Hang on. Uh, good, good, good. Okay. I'm sorry, I've got some technical stuff going on, so I'm still trying to figure this out. Here we go. Okay. <laughs> it's time to move on to our book, all right? We do this uh, every stream. We have uh, done a bunch of books so far, all the classics. They're from the Gutenberg uh, webpage, gutenberg.org, the Gutenberg Project. And uh, they are free. They're classics. They are public domain. And you can download them in all kinds of formats. You can read them online, ebooks, text files, Word docs, whatever version of a Word doc you Apple people use. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a PC guy, sorry. Uh, anyway, so um, we, uh, we've been doing the War of the Worlds, but we have in the past done uh, The Wizard of Oz, Peter Pan, Alice in Wonderland, The Little Prince, The Velveteen Rabbit, uh, all kinds of great books. And right now we're about halfway through uh, The War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells. This was very first published back in 1897 in a magazine as a serial. It would come out every week or every month. And then the first time it ever appeared in book form was back in, uh, when? 1898. Wow. Long time ago. Okay. Hang on. Why can't I get my monitor back? <laughs> Hello? Give me my monitor back. There we go. Okay, 1898 was when it was first serialized, uh, first uh, published in book form. So uh, we're going to move on and we're going to move up and we are going to move into chapter 11 of H.G. Wells' The War of the Worlds. This chapter is called At the Window. I've already said that my storms of emotion have a trick of exhausting themselves. After a time, I discovered that I was cold and wet, and with little pools of water around me on the stair carpet, I got up almost mechanically, went into the dining room, drank some whiskey, and then I was moved to change my clothes. After I'd done that, I went upstairs to my study, but why I did so, I do not know. The window of my study looks over the trees and the railway towards Horsell Common, in the hurry of our departure, this window had been left open. The passage was dark, and by contrast with the picture, the window frame enclosed, the side of the room seemed impenetrably dark. I stopped short in the doorway. The thunderstorm had passed. The towers of the Oriental College and the pine trees about it had gone very far away, lit a vivid red glare the common about the sand pits was visible across the light huge black shapes grotesque and strange moved busily to and fro it seemed indeed as if the whole country in that direction was on fire 
a broad hillside set with minute tongues of flame, swaying and writhing with the gusts of the dying storm, and throwing a red reflection upon the clouds scud above. Every now and then a haze of smoke from some nearer conflagration drove across the window and hid the Martian shapes. I couldn't see what they were doing, nor the clear form of them, not recognize the black objects they were busied upon. Neither could I see the nearer fire, though the reflections of it danced on the wall and ceiling of the study. A sharp, resinous tang of burning was in the air. I closed the door noiselessly and crept towards the window. And as I did so, the view opened out until, on the one hand, it reached to the houses about walking station, and on the other to the charred and blackened pine woods of Byfleet. There was a light down below the hill on the railway near the arch. Several of the houses along the Maybury Road and the streets near the station were just glowing ruins. The light upon the railway puzzled me at first. They were a black heap and a vivid glare, and to the right of that, a row of yellow oblongs. Then I perceived this was a wrecked train. The forepart smashed and on fire, the hinder carriages still on the rails. Between these three main centers of light, the houses, the train, and the burning country towards Chobham stretched irregular patches of dark country, broken here and there by intervals of dimly glowing and smoking ground. It was the strangest spectacle, that black expanse set with fire. It reminded me more than anything else of the potteries at night. At first I could distinguish no people at all, though I peered intently for them. Later I saw, against the light of walking station, a number of black figures hurrying one after the other across the line. And this was the little world in which I'd been living securely for years, this fiery chaos. What had happened in the last seven hours I still did not know. Nor did I know, though I was beginning to guess, the relation between these mechanical colossi and the sluggish lumps I had seen disgorged from the cylinder. With a queer feeling of impersonal interest, I turned my desk chair to the window, sat down, and stared out at the blackened country, and particularly at the three gigantic black things that were going to and fro in the glare about the sand pits. They seemed amazingly busy. I began to ask myself what they could be. Were they intelligent mechanisms? Such a thing I felt was impossible. Or did a Martian sit within each, ruling, directing, using, much as a man's brain sits and rules in his body? I began to compare things to human machines, to ask myself for the first time in my life how an ironclad or a steam engine would seem to an intelligent lower animal. 
The storm had left the sky clear, and over the smoke of the burning land, the little fading pinpoint of Mars was dropping into the west. When a soldier came into my garden, I heard a slight scraping at the gate, and rousing myself from the lethargy that had fallen upon me, I looked down and saw him dimly clambering over the palings. At the sight of another human being, my tupor passed, and I leaned out of the window eagerly. Hist, said I in a whisper. He stopped astride of the fence in doubt. Then he came over and across the lawn to the corner of the house. He bent down and stepped softly. Who's there? he said, also whispering, standing under the window and peering up. Where are you going? I asked. God knows. Are you trying to hide? That's it. Come into the house, I said. He stopped astride the fence in doubt and came over. I went down, unfastened the door and let him in and locked the door again. I could not see his face. He was hatless and his coat was unbuttoned. My God, he said as I drew him in. What has happened, I asked. What hasn't? In the obscurity, I could see he made a gesture of despair that they wiped us out. Simply wiped us out. He repeated again and again. He followed me almost mechanically into the dining room. Take some whiskey, I said, pouring out a stiff dose. He drank it and then abruptly sat down before the table, put his head on his arms, and began to sob and weep like a little boy, in a perfect passion of emotion, while I, with a curious forgetfulness of my own recent despair, stood beside him, wondering. It was a long time before he could steady his nerves to answer my questions, and then he answered perplexingly and brokenly. He was a driver in the artillery and had come into action about seven. At that time, firing was going on across the common, and it was said the first party of Martians were crawling slowly toward their second cylinder under cover of a metal shield. Later, the shield staggered up on tripod legs and became the first of the fighting machines I had seen. The gun he drove had been unlimbered near Horsel in order to command the sand pits, and its arrival it was that had precipitated the action. As the limber gunners went to the rear, his horse trod into a rabbit hole and came down, throwing him into a depression of the ground. At the same moment, the gun exploded behind him. The ammunition blew up. There was fire all around him, and he found himself lying under a heap of charred dead men and dead horses. I lay still, he said, scared out of my wits with the forequarter of a horse atop me. We'd been wiped out, and the smell, good God, like burned meat. I was hurt across the back by the fall of the horse, and there I had to lie until I felt better. 
just like parade it had been a minute before, then stumble, bang, swish, wiped out, he said. He'd hid under the dead horse for a long time, peeping out furtively across the common. The cardigan men had tried a rush in skirmishing order at the pit, simply to be swept out of existence. Then the monster had risen to its feet and begun to walk leisurely to and fro across the common among the few fugitives with its head-like hood turning about exactly like the head of a cowled human being. A kind of arm carried a complicated metallic case about which green flashes scintillated, and out of the funnel of this there smoked the heat ray. In a few minutes, there was, so far as the soldiers could see, not a living thing left upon the common, and every bush and tree upon it that was not already a blackened skeleton was burning. The hussars had been on the road beyond the curvature of the ground, and he saw nothing of them. He heard the maxims rattle for a time and then become still. The giant saved walking station and its clusters of houses until the last. Then, in a moment, the heat ray was brought to bear, and the town became a heap of fiery ruins. Then the thing shut off the heat ray, turning its back on the artillerymen, began to waddle away towards the smoldering pine woods that sheltered the second cylinder. And as it did so, a second glittering titan built itself up out of the pit. The second monster followed the first, and at that the artilleryman began to crawl very cautiously across the hot heather ash toward Horsel. He managed to get alive into the ditch by the side of the road and so escaped to walking. There his story became ejaculatory. The place was impassable. It seems there were a few people alive there, frantic for the most part, and many burned and scalded. He was turned aside by the fire and hid among some almost scorching heaps of broken wall as one of the Martian giants returned. He saw this one pursue a man, catch him up in one of its steely tentacles, and knock his head against the trunk of a pine tree. At last, after nightfall, the artilleryman made a rush for it and got over the railway embankment. Since then, he'd been skulking along towards Maybury in the hope of getting out of danger, Londonward. People were hiding in trenches and cellars, and many of the survivors had made off towards Walking Village and Send, He'd been consumed with thirst until he found one of the water mains near the railway arch smashed, the water bubbling out like a spring upon the road. The story, that was the story I got from him, bit by bit. He grew calmer, telling me and trying to make me see the things he'd seen. He'd eaten no food since midday, he told me early in his narrative, and I found some mutton and bread in the pantry and brought it into the room. We knit, lit no lamp for fear of attracting the Martians, and ever and again our hands would touch upon bread. 
or meet. As he talked, things about us came darkly out of the darkness, and the trampled bushes and broken rose trees outside the window grew distinct. It would seem a number of men or animals had rushed across the lawn. I began to see his face, blackened and haggard, as no doubt mine was also. When we'd finished eating, we went softly upstairs to my study, and I looked out again of the open window. In one night, the valley had become a valley of ashes. The fires had dwindled now, where flames had been there were now streamers of smoke, but the countless ruins of shattered and gutted houses, blasted and blackened trees that the night had hidden, stood out now, gaunt and terrible, in the pitiless light of dawn. Yet, here and there, some objects had had the luck to escape. A white railway signal here, the end of a greenhouse there, white and fresh among the wreckage. Never before, in the history of warfare, had destruction been so indiscriminate and so universal. Shining with the growing light of the east, three of the metallic giants stood about the pit, their cowls rotating as though they were surveying the desolation they'd made. It seemed to me that the pit had been enlarged, and ever and again puffs of vivid green vapor steamed up and out of it towards the brightening dawn steamed up, whirled, broke, and vanished. Beyond were the pillars of fire about Chobham. They became pillars of bloodshot smoke at the first touch of day. And that's chapter 11. Wow. H.G. Wells, The War of the Worlds. On our next stream on uh, Monday night, we'll continue on with chapter 12, which is called What I Saw of the Destruction of Weybridge and Shepperton. And I got a feeling things are going to get worse before they get better. <laughs> oh, man. H.G. Wells' The War of the World. Insane. There have been so many great, uh, great books and films. And by the way, one of our pictures that plays uh, during the reading of the book is from a 3D animated film within the last seven or eight years, maybe called War of the Worlds Goliath, and uh, brilliant, brilliant animated uh, feature film done here in Malaysia. And in fact, I voiced the character of a couple of uh, minor characters in that film. So if you want to check it out, it's called War of the Worlds Goliath. Uh, you can find that. It's brilliant. Very cool. All right. Uh, hey, the bots stopped by. Thank you, Il Brillin. We'll be blocking you shortly. I don't have mods, okay? So you just have to put up with the bots.
However, I do know that my audience is smart enough to know not to click on links or follow these idiot bots that pop by the the stream every now and then. Okay, just to show you how far delayed Rumble is, because we're live on four different outlets now. Twitch.tv, J. Sheldon No Pants. Uh, YouTube, J. Sheldon Malaysia is the channel. Please subscribe. Our subscribes are, are going way up. Thank you so much. for Just click on the button. It's free. Just down here somewhere. And uh, Facebook, of course, Facebook Live. And Rumble.com. So, again, I just want to give you some idea how long the delay is between when I'm actually live and when it goes out over the air on Rumble. I'm looking at the Rumble feed right now, and I'm still in the middle of reading the book. So, <laughs> good luck with that. All right. Anyway, that's the name of that tune. Guys, uh, I thank you for joining. Thanks for listening in to the podcast. Be sure you subscribe, download, uh, especially rumble.com. You can find all of our past shows. We've done 115 of these bad boys. And uh, the J. Sheldon No Pants channel is where you'll find them. Just go to J. Sheldon and Rumble. Sign up for a free account, no cost. Uh, if you do want to spend some money, however, you can help to support the show over on patreon.com slash Sheldon, And uh doesn't cost very much, just a few bucks, and you can help to support the show. Really appreciate you doing that. Patreon.com slash Sheldon. You will find us uh, over there. All right, guys. Thank you again for, uh, for a wonderful Saturday night. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. I will see you Monday at 10 Malaysia time. I'm Jay Sheldon. I'm not wearing pants as usual. Good night, everybody.